I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle, bicycle, bicycle. I want to ride my bicycle. M-A-M-A-L? Never heard of it. A middle-aged man in Lycra. I don't think Lycra has ever really suited anybody of either sex, really, once they get over the age of about 23. Maybe it's the shape rather than the age, I would say, is more important than the, the person who wears it. I have no offence to it. Because you, you if you're in a cycling club, you need the proper gear. Because no matter what the weather is, if you haven't got the proper gear, you're going to know about it. You have to get out there. You have to be part of something. Men in Lycra. It's ridiculous. If you need to buy special clothes just to cycle a bike, maybe there's something else wrong. Unless, of course, you're racing. In which case, then maybe it does have a benefit. Well, I'm one of those myself. I'm a mammal myself, so I've been a cyclist. Oh, yeah, I'm all for people participating in sport, particularly at whatever age, particularly as you get older, as the joints and the limbs become more tender. Cycling is an obvious solution so yeah I'm all for that there's no excuse for wearing lycra really anywhere some people just shouldn't wear lycra and yeah you see a lot of it I think it's a witty acronym but uh, I would welcome any man getting the exercise no impact exercise on a bicycle sure what could be better Well, my understanding of, of, of the acronym MAMMAL, you know, middle-aged men in Lycra, I mean, when I first heard it, it was kind of a, a humorous take on the, you know, the sight of middle-aged, not quite svelte figures clad in, in, in Lycra. The thing about Lycra, as everybody knows, I mean, it's an unforgiving material, you know. If there are any bumps or blemishes, Mike, Lycra will show it, you know. So uh, cycling shorts, uh, cycling tops, I mean, they, they hide nothing. But the sight of these men and clad in this lurid lycra on the roads, you know, it was, it was quite amusing to a lot of people, you know. So the, the acronym, I think, was then, it was either invented or taken up by the by marketing company Minitel, I think in 2010. They were looking at the growth, the explosion in cycling, really, and seeing a way to leverage this uh, this, this explosion into marketing for, for all sorts of companies. Then in 2014, my understanding is that the Oxford Dictionary put it in their edition you know which is kind of a endorsement really it's now an official term in the English language mammal and I think it refers to both middle-aged men and middle-aged maidens in lycra 
Hello, my name is Kevin Howard. Uh, I'm a lecturer in DQIT. My academic background is essentially sociology. I studied in the UK and I moved to Ireland in 1999. And as part of my uh, postdoctoral research in UCD, we were looking at the organisation of civil society on the island of Ireland. Now, given my interest in cycling, I was particularly interested in how cycling was organised in the island of Ireland. So that's, in a sense, how my uh, academic background and my uh, sporting interest uh, coincided. Personally, I find the acronym MAMMAL, I find it quite amusing. You know, it's not universally regarded as amusing. I know that some people regard it as uh, insulting, in a sense, or a bit derogatory or a bit sniffy about it. But, you know, and also, it, it, you know, there are huge numbers of cyclists uh, to whom it doesn't refer. You know, plenty of young cyclists and plenty of cyclists who are very, very slim and fit looking and all the rest of it. But, you know, I think that middle-aged men in Lycra, middle-aged maidens in Lycra, I think what it's capturing really in a quite amusing way is the, the, the genuine phenomenon in the growth of cyclists among people uh, of a later age. So for that point of view, I think it's, it's both uh, an, an appreciation of, of the awareness and it's further raising awareness about that phenomenon. Well, I think that the uh, the phenomenon of specifically with middle-aged men coming into cycling is absolutely fantastic. I think that we're seeing more people who are enjoying the sport of cycling and who are getting out there and, you know, getting out there, enjoying the bike, enjoying the roads, enjoying all the beauties that cycling have. Um, and that's a fantastic thing. Unfortunately, I do think that, not that it's a derogatory term, but I th- do think people... <laughs> It has potentially led to a little bit more aggression or friction between other road users and cyclists. And, you know, it's something it's a, it's actually a phrase that maybe four years ago I might have used a little bit, but I don't use any more myself because um, I think it has become slightly derogatory in how it's how it's phrased. So I am absolutely supportive and embrace um, any people who are getting on the bikes and enjoying it and, and discovering it. But if the term that's um, been used to describe them starts to um, kind of uh, conjure different images and different impressions for um, other road users, or especially in the media, I'm not I'm not such a fan of it because I think that what it is doing is it's taking away from the fact that these are people on their bikes and doing something that, you know, especially if you're sitting in a car looking at them that you're not doing yourself. So, you know, I mean... The, so the actions of what a middle-aged man in Lycra is doing is fantastic. I, I feel that sometimes the term can, can be a little bit derogatory. My name is Heather Boyle. I'm Communications Officer with Cycling Ireland. So Cycling Ireland is the national governing body for the sport of cycling in Ireland. And uh, this is the 30th year anniversary of Cycling Ireland in the exist- in existing in how it is at now. It's an amalgamation of three organizations in the past and coming together what 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 our aim is is to kind of make cycling um an accessible sport and an accessible activity in the 32 counties of ireland and uh, look you know for for a sporting body looking out looking after 32 counties is a very important aspect of what we do one of the things that we we are unique in in the organization is that we look after a sport that has a wide a wide community you know we have people who are who use a bike for active travel they use it for commuting we use we have people who um who are very involved in the racing scene we've road racers bmx riders mountain bikers track riders you know we have a vast community and 
with different interests and it's a matter of one thing catering for uh, for all of those people in the community but also what we want to do is make people from outside the cycling community aware of the opportunities that are in cycling for them. I started working with Cycling Ireland in 2009 um, after competing on the bike for a couple of years. Really my first entry into into the Cycling Ireland scene was as a competitive cyclist and over the last number of years, um, especially working within the organisation, you get to see the huge you know the huge community and the different people that we have in the different areas you know so cycling really it can become part of your life and you know i think that that's one of the beauties of cycling is that it's a lifelong activity <laughs> My name is Ray Fedigan, co-owner of the bike station in Dundalk. We are currently open four years now on the 1st of February and uh, myself, I've been with the club probably 10 years, 11 years and I started off as a fat cyclist, <laughs> working my way up. 10 years ago I would have been working on motorways so I was uh, driving machinery, eating the breakfast roll every morning, things like that there and just become lazy and just took it in to say I start cycling, try and lose a bit of weight. Just used to do the local block of 5k and then progress from that to a couple of lads just going out on a Wednesday night and then eventually joined up Q Cullen. So I did. didn't know anybody in it at the time but just took a chance and then it took off from there. When I started off I started with the leisure group which used to train on a Wednesday night to learn how to ride in a group ride which you learn the rules of the road which was most important. We learned to ride in groups and in twos so it was safe and then you ride in a group of 10 to 15 which is safe to let cars pass. When they're actually passing you it's only five people are passing because they're in a group of 10. So as you're cycling along the road we take turns in the front so you spend a couple of minutes on the right hand side and then you move across in front of the uh, cyclist on the left and then you bring up the next person so you keep going in a like a circular move it gives everybody a chance to cycle into the wind on the front and then you get a break while you're at the back. We started off Dundalk to Castlebellium, that was in the first night and then it took off from that to bigger distances every week and then you progressed to joining the group on a Saturday morning and the Saturday morning groups would have started at 25k which you thought you'd never do and then ended up the Saturday morning group is 100k now. So the 9 o'clock group is more of the race group who does the league and open road racing on a Sunday morning. So them guys do up to 100, 120k on a Saturday morning. Then you have um, Pat's coffee group who everybody likes to join at the start just to go for coffee. And then you have Philip Kerley has another group going which is slightly faster and again it's a coffee spin. Every spin includes the coffee can't do without it, cyclists. And then the next group then is Jason Boyle. Jason Boyle's group run slightly slower than the race group, which average probably 23, 24, where the race group will average 27 to 30k an hour on the Saturday and Sunday morning spins. A lot of the uh, people go and start because they hear of this coffee spin. They know they're gonna get stopped halfway through, so they can take a break, take a breather, have a bit of crack, meet guys that they don't usually see during the week, and it's just a bit of crack. That's where it all starts off. 
I mean, the, the, the sense of camaraderie in cycling is 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 palpable. You know, is 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 very very strong. The extent to which it exists amongst the elite competitors, I'm not sure. I'm not one of those people. And uh, in other uh, areas of cycling, speaking personally, it's actually it's really really lovely to wind up, roll up to a calf and pull up your bike and walk in and have the biggest scone you can have, right? With dollops of cream and uh, jam and two mugs of coffee and feel I've earned this. You know, it's just wonderful. And I think, uh, you know, again, speaking personally, half the reason I go out on my bike is to give me an excuse to, to, to eat cake and to drink coffee. You know, I think that's, I think, it's great. It's really good crack. You know, uh, you know, you can see the way in which uh, cycling groups operate. You know, they, they 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 switch places all the time. You get to talk to everybody. It, it, that's that's a great thing about it. You get to talk to people. Like you go out with a group for the first time, and you go through that rolling over motion, and uh, you end up cycling beside somebody, and uh, it really works. I think that men and uh, men sheds and these sorts of uh, phenomena would would might support this. The men like conversing with each other side by side rather than face to face and cycling does that very well because you're cycling together for a couple of hours and you're not face to face you're next to each other and you're changing all the time and I think that that kind of mode of communication or that 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 way of communicating side by side suits a lot of men. Cycling over the last number of years has had a huge increase in popularity. Uh, we now have, um, in 2017, we had 30,000 members, 480 clubs. So it's it's grown. When I started in Cycling Ireland in 2009, I came in because we were reaching a peak in numbers and we were like four and a half thousand members. So, you know, I mean, it has increased in, it has increased 700% in the last 10 years and that's a massive increase for any sport and any activity cycling is a very social activity so you meet in the groups and a lot of people um from organizations talk about the shoulder to shoulder you're out in a group you're doing the up and overs you're talking to a different person you're passing conversation and you're meeting um everybody's wearing similar clothes you're in the same setting and you know you are the you are mixing with people from a huge range of society and um and you're learning about um you're learning what make makes other people tick so it's a very social activity on that level you know one of the things that when i started cycling in um or when i started working with cycling ireland in 2009 there were you know the 4000 4000 members the majority of those members were competitive but there's been a huge increase in the number of people who have taken up the sport from a leisure side. You know, the le- leisure cycling, you know, we, we often have a little debate inside um, here in Cycling Ireland as to whether calling it leisure cycling is the appropriate term for it because, you know, leisure, cycli- leisure cycling is, it covers a range of, of um of activities within cycling, but usually, I mean, the cha- their challenges. People are aiming; they're going out for long cycles, and they're targeting um, a number of events throughout the year. And um, the events, um, 
in themselves like we have 450 over 450 leisure events on our calendar every year and they're you know they bring people right around um right around the country you know you see a lot of you know you you see a lot of roads that you don't that you don't normally visit and you know the um the organizations the event organizers always have um put on a really it's like a really good show it's a really good day out and um you know and that has been of a huge appeal to people and you know i mean when you talk about setting personal challenges there's there's any number of challenges that people can you know can can target you look at you look at the event calendar and you pick a distance you pick a you know a location and a distance that suits what your what challenge you want to take Hi, I, my name is Rita Faulkner. I'm the PRO with the White River Wheeler Cycling Club here in Midlaid in Dunlear. Um, we are um, mixed groups. We have from leisure straight up to advanced groups, so we cater for all uh, our um, level of cyclists. This morning is our first spin of the season, and we're great to see a huge crowd out today, which is brilliant considering it's so windy. Um, we have very uh, strong mix of women and men in the group, which is absolutely brilliant. This morning we will have... Um, Leisure in a touring, intermediate and advanced out in the road. The advanced would be our faster guys who would do a long spin this morning. Leisure then is a mixture of people who are probably just getting back, haven't been off all season and who would be normally in touring or intermediate, but just like an easy spin today. And then a lot of new people we have, which is great to see so many new faces out today as well. So they'll do about 35k at the leisure and then between intermediate and um, touring we'll probably do in between 50 to 60 kilometres this morning. With a coffee stop of course because that's the most important part. It's all about um, socialising, interacting and uh, improving fitness and health while gathering together with a group of people who enjoy doing what we enjoy doing. I think that uh, one of the reasons why men of my vintage if you like and women of, of my wife's vintage have been drawn to cycling is because starting off with cycling it's a very it's a very user-friendly sport uh, I mean it's, it's, it's not impact for a start it's not like running or it's not like um, some of the other sports that like football Gaelic you know it, it, it's 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 a great way of keeping fit without doing much damage to your body so there is quite a number of people who I know who would be involved in cycling who used to play competitive sports or used to be part of teams and knee injuries and uh, back injuries and just, just the wear and tear on the body of competitive team sport, uh, you can't keep it can't keep up for very long. Whereas cycling, people could cycle into their 80s and hopefully they will. You know, there are, there are, there are, there are great cyclists in the, in, in the Kukulin who, who, are, who are of advanced age, let's put it that way, fit men and women who cycle and hopefully will cycle until they die at an advanced age. And I think that's part of the, re- part of the attraction. It's, not, it's a very user-friendly sport. I know that the medical profession would, would propose cycling as, a, you know, I think everybody recognises now, I mean, that exercise and uh, chemical releases, the endorphins and all the rest of it that come from exercise, particularly exercise outdoors in the fresh air with other people, kind of uh, mental health and physical health benefits that that provides. And that's widely recognised. Therefore, people have been encouraged to take up something that gives them those benefits. And uh, cycling has been one of those sports that has, has really, really, or one of those activities, if not a sport, one of those activities that have benefited from that. I, I, I mean, I know people who have uh, been advised to take up cycling or some type of physical activity for, for health reasons, because they might be overweight or they might be trying to quit smoking or uh, might have had uh, bereave, any any kind of mental or physical 
health reasons. And I think increasingly and gladly, as a society and globally, we're 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 not differentiating in the way we used to between physical and health and mental. I mean, our, we we can't really uh, decouple the two. I mean, our, our physical health affects our mental health, and our mental health affects our physical health. So, working on both together in a, in, a, in a, a cycling, if you like, meets that holistic need to develop physically and mentally. And well, the you know the attraction that people get from taking part in cycling, encouraging other people to do it. So if there are people who need to do something as a consequence of mental and or physical health or some change in their lives or some to, they have suddenly more time on their hands for whatever reason, uh, cycling has filled that gap in a sense, you know. And as people try it, they tell more people about it. So there's a whole virtuous dynamic, if you like, that's feeding into the growth of numbers. Everybody's wondering what they're going to do. Everything's a mess and folks are feeling blue If your troubles got you down so much you can't abide Get on that bicycle and ride Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies over along the ocean side Just ride, 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 ride it's good for your heart and it's good for your brain when those fluorescent lights are driving you insane your toes will tingle in your shoes when to the pedal they reply just get on that bicycle and ride so in, in cycling ireland our um our average age is probably about 38 um, 36 38 and it depends for for women actually women it's an interesting one about eight years ago the percentage of women cycling in, in the cycling Ireland membership was about eight percent it's now 20 percent so it's still there's still a big divide but it but we are closing that gap which is um which is fantastic um but then again with the with women the average age is slightly older it's maybe about 39 40 um, so it's just a couple of years older so you know what we are appealing to and what's absolutely brilliant is that cycling is a lifelong activity it's a, it's a sport or an activity that people can get involved with at any at any age and what we often find is that you know the people who are coming into it you know it's either they're coming from other sports or they're coming from having not done a sport previously maybe cycle their bike when they were younger and you know I mean you know you hear an awful lot like oh you know it's as easy as cycling your bike but it's not it's not always easy to get back up on the bike so once they get back on the bike and you know we have a number of programs like we have bike for life which has been hugely popular and, and instrumental in, in helping and enabling people to get it's like a, a you know um a sofa to saddle uh, program you know really is, is one way of looking at it where we're getting people back on the on the bike and learning how to um how to how to deal with cycling and cycling distances how to change punctures how to do a bit of skills because there is skills involved in riding a bike with the um with the age bracket you have you know a lot of people maybe who did race when they were younger coming back and you know they're coming back to the sport that they loved as well but i mean what what you are finding a lot of the time is that it's people who are discovering the sport of cycling for the first time and you know and discovering all the beauties of it discovering the challenge you know they may have played gaa when they were younger and you know their career 
uh, finished or the time kind of ran out on it and they're now entering um, entering cycling and you know and they're realizing that there are lots of opportunities there just because you've finished one sport it doesn't mean that you can't start a new sport and and enjoy all the beauties and all the challenges all the personal challenges um that that it brings and i mean the beauty of cycling is that your challenge can be completely different to somebody else's so you know for you know, f for me, my challenge might be to get to actually 10K. You know, I'm not cycling a lot. You know, I want to actually do a little bit, uh, a little bit more. I want to do 10K for another person. They're already doing 10, 20K. It might be to do a 60K challenge. And then there are people who are doing regularly doing those middle distances who say, you know what, this, this year is the year I'm going to do 100. So, you know, you've got people challenging themselves on all sorts of different levels. And that's not even looking at the competitive space where people are looking to race and train to train trying to compete trying to win you know so you know there's there's a lot of ways that people can enjoy this uh, sport on so many different levels my name is andrew mcafee i'm the chairman of the white river wheelers club i started cycling about 10 11 years ago i was never involved in any competitive sports at all football or anything a friend of mine he was from dublin and he moved in beside me there he sort of said to me one day we go for a spin and that's how that's how it all started uh, we started going for a couple of spins and it was torture at the start trying to get the fitness up. Your arse killing you as well in the saddle. But we kept going and um, just got the bug out of it, just got addicted to the cycling. There was a group of guys up in Toker, uh, they used to meet on a Sunday morning and John is my friend from Dublin. Uh, some Sundays John wouldn't be going out so uh, I'd be going out on my own. So then I heard there was a few guys from Toker, they used to meet up so I said to them one day, do you mind if I tag along? So we Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We used to meet up on a Sunday morning. Then, I suppose, the White River Wheeler started. Uh, it came off the back of the D2K charity cycle. So there was an evening, uh, a meeting one evening, and it was just to see if there was interest in starting a club in Dunleo, and there was an enormous amount of interest in it. And that's how the White River Wheeler started. Okay, you move over the front. That transition has to be done nice and smooth, because if it's not done smooth, see what happens. See this big gap? You, you, you can't change. 
Hi, my name is Eamon Fogarty and I'm part of the leisure group on the White River Wheelers. What we are doing there is a rotation on the bikes. So the two people in front, when they're going forward, the, call, the person on the left hand side will call change. So the person on the right hand side beside you will go forward. You call clear as he's coming in and he'll go forward so you'll level and the person behind that just keeps going forward. It's done, it's more or less, all groups probably should do it because it's just safety and uh, it is very important for new riders to know the rules and the rules of the road so they can cycle safely and hopefully we can do a good job on that. We do have very strong um, etiquette within the group that they have to stay um, in, you know, two by two and single file if it's really narrow road and cars are coming behind them. Uh, road safety is very, very important. We try and encourage people wear high-vis jackets, make sure flashing lights are on and stuff like that and abide by the rules of the road, no breaking red lights, do you know what I mean, pull it into the side. Um, I know sometimes it can be frustrating for cars coming behind them. I'm, I'm a driver myself. Um, it can, but... Um, at the end of the day, the road is for all of us and it's there for everybody to share. So we just need to be consciously aware of that. And um, like I said, we do try and, and force home um, with people that safety is very, very important. How could I forget to mention A bicycle is a good invention Sitting there in a silent movie Beside the only girl who really ever knew me Happy days but sad of facing Heaven knows I'm on the case so How could I forget to mention the bicycle I think they have a right to use the road But I think that Irish roads are not safe For drivers and cyclists to share I think that it, they're great and uh, it's good that people get out and use the road and get a bit of fresh air and exercise. Well, I'm not against cyclists. Um, they have a right to use the road. Um, however, the very narrow, the roads in Ireland are very, very narrow and cyclists seem to take up a lot of the roads. Irish cyclists on the road, yeah, they're entitled to be on the road once they go to the rules of the road, to abreast. Because they take up the whole road and it's always on a Sunday when you're trying to go somewhere and there's loads of cyclist clubs everywhere and they're really annoying and you can't get around them. <laughs> Shocking. Yeah, there's just no, I mean, I, I have a bike myself and there's no um, regard for, you know, the motors trying to pass. I think it's very, I don't mind the cyclists, but there's four abreast and they're chatting. Them. That's what I think. Some groups two abreast, some will go three abreast. The guy that goes three abreast, he's asking to be knocked off his bike. He do, he's not obey, obeying the rules. Well, keeps them fit, gets them out there, keeps them healthy. Better doing that than smoking all day or drinking all day or whatever. If they're in a big group, they're very rude, I have to say, and they, they drive in the middle of the road and uh, they're very aggressive and they think that, you know, basically the whole world should stop behind them. Um, so you have to get on my nerves. It's fantastic to see a resurgence of physical activity which enables people to build on their aerobic fitness, their physical fitness, everything else. It's brilliant to see it. As a driver, I hate them because my opinion is they think that they rule the road and they're entitled to as much space as they want and think you know, that the, the laws of the road suit them uh, because they can't get caught. 
I think that cyclists and motorists can coexist. Keep an eye out for them. Nobody, nobody drives a car to try and kill a cyclist. You know? I think cyclists and road users have a responsibility to look after themselves on the road and each other. It's a constant cliche of motorists going, bloody cyclists. I think there's an education piece there for everybody, for motorists and cyclists and pedestrians and all road users out there. There has been a big increase in the intolerance and the impatience for um, for all road users, cyclists and motorists also. And I think that that needs to change. From our side, you know, we, we recognise that the cyclists are vulnerable on the road, you know. We don't want that to prevent people from taking up the sport of cycling or taking up the activity of cycling. There are a lot more people cycling. There are a lot more people driving. So there's a lot more demand on the road these days. And with that has to come an understanding. People have become a lot more distracted. You know, the roads have become a lot more congested. And with that, um, tensions rise. And, you know, sometimes um, people feel that they are, everybody feels that they're entitled to the road. And that's not the case, you know. drive. Drivers aren't entitled to the road. Cyclists aren't entitled to the road. We all have to share it and we all have to use common sense and courtesy and respect when we're out there. You know, I, I, I don't like to I don't like to point fingers at motorists and drivers behavior because it's not something we can necessarily change. Right. Unless we're in our cars, as long as we're practicing safe driving and as long as as a governing body in cycling, we are imparting the correct ways to cycle and educating our cyclists and uh, edu educating them on how to use the road better. That's really important. What does really worry me is the increase in how people are looking at cyclists. They don't see cyclists as people. They see cyclists as a nuisance. They see cyclists as, and this isn't everybody. This is, this is a general um, discourse that happens, you know? So, you know, you see an awful lot of you see a lot of an awful lot of negativity towards cyclists and a lot of backlash, you know, and, you know, it really frustrates me whenever I hear um, no matter what you're talking about cycling, you could be talking about something really positive. You could be talking about something really tragic, like the number of people who have died on the roads and the uh, the discussion and discourse that follows always inevitably goes down the road of, oh, you, you know, you break lights, you go too abreast, you go. People are getting frustrated over very small things like, you know, we don't, people shouldn't break the rules of the road. They shouldn't, you know, and it, it frustrates me when I'm in my car. It frustrates me, but not because, I mean, I'm still sitting in my car. I can't do anything different. That cyclist breaking the light has not done anything to um, affect my life. But it frustrates me because I hear people talking about it all the time. And I know that that's going to be one more person who's caused one other person to give out. And the more negativity that you see out there, more it actually takes away from the good that cycling does. You know, on one hand, we're trying to get people more active. Cycling is one of the most accessible ways of doing that. You know, there's, if there's a 40 year old cycling their bike, chances are they're going to impart that exercise onto their children. Like, so, you know, you're, you're affecting positive change. So when I see negativity, when I hear negativity, it just really, yeah, it does, it does upset me especially upsets me in the light of the number of people who have the increase in the number of people who have lost their lives uh, in the last year. You know, for, for cyclists, 
when they're out cycling to have a think about what it's like to be the driver behind them so that like you know so that you do you're aware of what go what goes on that like you may think that you've a right away to go on ahead but just have a little bit of courtesy towards the people behind you who are coming up behind you because you know what we don't want to drive this animosity any further we want to get rid of this friction because we want to get more people cycling and uh, and we do want to affect change and and i think you have to you have to do that from a good place not a bad place pretty much every cyclist I know is also a driver. So the more people who are cycling, the more drivers, as a segment of the population, the more drivers are aware of cyclists and their needs and how cautious we have to be, the distance needed and, and how fast they're moving and t take the appropriate measures. Now, in fairness, there are some cyclists who are, are appalling. I was out recently and I, was, I saw some cyclists and these weren't young people there were there were men they were all men and they were my own age and they they were hogging the road now i, I just think that that's designed to wind up drivers i mean it's a kind of a, a give and take here and, and both sets of road users have to be mindful of and respectful of the other but having said that i would i would say this to to any drivers you know a cyclist is never going to win a, an argument with a car so the person in the car always has the responsibility, in my view, you know, to, to, to be careful. And probably a lot of people in cars probably don't realise the, the, the power and, and the, the, the damage they could do. So, you know, it's the person with the power and the person with the, the machine that can do the more damage, in my view, has, has the greater responsibility to protect other road users, whether that's pedestrians, whether that's cyclists. And I think that they road users in cars should you know take that on board and you know even if they're annoying you even if they're holding you up they're not going to hold you up for very long and it's soon going to pass and when you've gone on up the road no harm done is better than 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 causing damage as a consequence of impatience you know it, it doesn't benefit anybody getting irate with cyclists it doesn't benefit the driver it doesn't benefit the cyclist and getting irate with cyclists could lead to an accident that it's always going to be the cyclist who comes off worse. So I think there's a responsibility on drivers to remember that. My name is Gary Winchelich and I've been working in the bike station for the last year and a half. So we're upstairs in the bike station in the showroom. We have quite a huge range of bikes here at the moment. We have three types of bikes here. Racing bikes, which used for racing, leisure cycling, longer sportifs. We have some mountain bikes, which the Cooley Mountains, Ravensdale's right beside us. So we have a lot of people locally doing some mountain biking. And then we have a few what are called hybrid bikes, which are in between a racer and a mountain bike. Typically people use them for around town, commuting, going to work, that sort of thing. But our primary focus would be on the racing bikes and our main market is the cycling clubs locally. So our entry-level bikes start at about €650. Euro. Really nice, lightweight bike and perfect for someone starting off, someone that wants to start doing 20, 30, 40 kilometre spins, wants to get out with the, the local coffee spin groups and just get a feel for cycling. So if you want to move up from that, you're much better going for a full carbon fibre frame bike. So for something like that, you're starting at about €1,600. Euro. So these bikes are typically the second bike that someone would buy once they get into cycling. They're also the bikes that people would use racing. 
Okay, so the key differences between your entry-level bikes and your bike starting at, say, 1,500 to 3,000 are the materials the bikes are made of. Your entry-level bikes are typically made from aluminium. The next-level bikes are going to be made from carbon fibre. Here we have the Bianchi range of bikes, and Bianchi is an Italian brand. It's one of the oldest brands in the world. They, in bike terms, they would be comparable to the likes of Ferrari, they're the top level when it comes to bikes. The one we have here, the XR4, which actually belongs to shop owner Ray, that is an identical bike to ones used by professional cyclists, the guys who ride the Tour de France. So it's, it's as good as you can get. The range of the XR4 is from about 7,000 euro up to 10,000 euro. Now that depends on the, the spec and what you want to put on it. For the typical user or the typical cyclist, this is, you know, the dream bike, the one that you'd have if money was no object. <laughs> I think that uh, in the world of cycling, leisure cycling, all forms of cycling, as in everything in life, there's a real pecking order and a real, even if it's unspoken, a real awareness about who's riding what and, uh, you know, what they're wearing and all this kind of thing. And I think it's really fascinating. There's a definite hierarchy of equipment, of clothing, of even more so perhaps, maybe it's more so amongst men. It'd be interesting to, 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 to look into that, you know, to see was it are women as hung up about this pecking order, but it certainly exists amongst men, you know, about uh, who's riding what, you know, what, what, what is that bike, what's the latest? And, and, and I think it's brilliant from the, from the marketer's point of view. You know, there's no end to the equipment you could sell a cyclist for all sorts of reasons. Now, I wouldn't have the resources to buy what I like to buy. But back in the day, so to speak, single and I had more money, more disposable income, there was no limit to what I could buy. There was no limit to what I'd spend. And you know the old, uh, the famous phrase, you know, what's the, what's the appropriate number of bikes? It's N plus one, you know, it's the number plus one. The, the, you can never have too many bikes and you can never have too much equipment and you can never have too much of the right type of equipment, whether that's clothing, wheels. See, there is, there is also a kind of a, a very interesting, um, there's a strong sense of... Uh, Look at that fella getting a bit too big for his boots, you know, you know. So the the, the great put down, I think, is, uh, you know, if someone turns up with uh, a really, really expensive bike and, you know, is wearing a top of the range gear and, you know, uh, a light, very, very light helmet and all the rest, all the gear and no idea. You know, I mean, that, that that's quite common. I think it's common across a lot of sports, you know. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate put down, you know. But uh, the top of the pecking order would be the people who race, I think. And then there's gradations down from that, you know. When I bought my first bike, I spent 550 euro, which I thought was a, an awful lot of money. And it was a racing bike. It was a track bike I actually bought. And what do you call it? It done me probably for the first six or seven months when I realized everybody else around me was riding a proper bike. So I bought a second hand bike, which I give a thousand euro for, which I thought I would never spend on a bicycle. It's more the price of a car. So it started off from that and then it progressed for now. I have a winter training bike, obviously with mud guards, which helps keep yourself dry and the person behind you. And I have my race bike. I have a carbon training bike. I have a cyclocross bike and many more. <laughs> N plus one is the number of bikes you can own. But it's N plus one, plus two, plus three, plus four. Like there's, you can spend any amount of money on a bike. You sort of get the cycling bug and then I got a cycling buying bug. So, 
I just was I was buying bikes just to have bikes. I have five bikes there at the minute. Um, <laughs> and my wife there, she'd be asking, what do you want this bike for? So I just justify it to her. Um, as in price-wise, I, I didn't spend that much on bikes, but you can spend anything on bikes. Like there's a couple of top-end bikes in the air club. There's up to nine grand, I'd say, one bike would be. Like the, there's a saying that if a fella died, a cyclist died, and um, he'd hope his wife wouldn't sell the bike for what he told her they were worth. <laughs> With the number of people who were buying the bikes in the, um, in, on the Cycle to Work scheme, uh, we, that has translated to people participating in events, people joining clubs, the number of bike shops open. And if a bike shop is open beside you, it also, you know, it, it might attract more people into, into the sport. I mean, the Cycle to Work scheme has been absolutely fantastic in getting people on the bikes, bums on seats in the first place. And But there is a need also with that for us to absolutely maximise and uh, or capitalise on the people who are getting on bikes, that there are initiatives to teach them how to cycle and let them know what the opportunities are available to them so that we direct them so that they are directed in the right um, uh, to the right clubs and right uh, challenges that are appropriate for them. I, I, I cycle with a leisure group, so I would have enormous respect for, for and I think everybody else does, for someone who uh, has never cycled before and they've got out on a, on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning and they've got out there for the first time, they've done their Lycra and they've got on their entry-level bike and they're going for a spin. I mean, I think that's as, as worthy of respect and as worthy of, of support as people who've been racing for years and are in the elite groups. You know, that, that, I think that, that's the great thing about cycling. Everybody is welcome. You know, there's, obviously there's, there's a lot of respect to the people who race and a lot of respect to the people who can cycle a bike really, really fast and handle a bike really, really well. But there's also respect due to everybody who throws a leg over the, over the saddle and, and goes for a spin. Because everybody knows, from, I think from the, from the elite riders down to the, 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 the newest leisure rider, everybody knows just how worthwhile it is. I mean, personally to me, I think it's better than medicine, it's better than therapy, it's better than anything. It's the thing to do, to get out in the fresh air and cycle your bike is as good as it can get. And any opportunity to do that, and anybody who does it, fair play to them. of D2K and uh, the White River Weirs then were um, founded on the back of that D2K charity cycle and I was the chairman for the first two and a half years. D2K uh, it basically is a charity cycle from Dunier and County Loud to Kilkenny City where I'm originally from and it was uh, an idea just to raise funds and raise awareness for motor neuron which I was diagnosed with in 2010. Year one of D2K cycle raised 12,500 and had 25 participants. Year two of D2K, we raised 26,000 and we had, I think it was 37 people doing the event. Year three of D2K, we had 69 
and we raised 37,000. Uh, year four D2K, we had 119, and we raised, I think it was uh, 63,000. Um, and then year five, which was last year, 2017, we had 139 cyclists and we raised a little over 83,000. It's over 250,000 in five years. I think that the future looks very, very rosy, very bright for cycling. And uh, taking it back down to the level of what we call the mammals, uh, I just think more and more people are recognising the benefits uh, of being out on a bike. I would like to talk especially about beginners. Beginners are very welcome out to the bike station if you need any help. And we're not all snobs, cycling snobs. Anybody can join. You're quite welcome to join in with any of the groups on a Saturday morning or whatever. And you will be made very welcome. And it's all about a bit of crack. Our club is White River Wheelers. We're based in Dunleer. It's open to new members the whole time. And we'd love to, more than welcome, to have anybody along with us every Sunday. Like, there's a group for everybody. Money for the meets and men, or bike takes up to pay to them. I've been riding treetop high. My insurance is by the boy. The Rise of the Mammal was produced by Little Road Productions Limited for LMFM Radio and funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee. Here's a cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.